You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 148, covering Emissary. Friends, oh friends. It finally happened. It's here, it's here, it's finally here. It's the most wonderful day of the year. It is. We've finally gotten to the, uh, the our favorite of the lot. Yep. The Deep Space Nine. And we could not be happier. Nope. After this, it's all downhill from here. Yeah, there's, there's a glass half empty way of looking at it. Good good job, old friend. <laughs> really, we I mentioned this before, and I want to say it one more time. If you have never seen this show before, now is a great time to start. It's on yes. Netflix. It's on yep. uh, Amazon Prime, if you have that. It may be mm-hmm. on other streaming services as well. And you can follow right along with us. We will we will tell you which ones are worth seeing, which ones are not worth seeing. Uh, Just like we've been doing yeah. ever like since the beginning. And we know people who got into the original series because of us and who mm-hmm. um, who got back into Next Gen because of us. I don't know anyone who stopped who started watching Next Gen just because of us. But No. I mean, you know, everyone's pretty... Yeah, everyone's seen Next Gen. Yeah. But this, but this is... This is, this is the, the one no one thinks, they, thinks they're going to like, and right. it's the best one. It is. And I, I, I know a few people already who, just on my recommendation over the years, have, have watched it and really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah. Just take our word for it. And really, starting with the pilot, it's great. It's not one of those, well, you got to wait three seasons for it to get good. Like, No. No, it gets way better. It's good now. It's yeah. good now, and it's going to get better. Yes, absolutely. So now is a fine time to jump on. Don't uh, don't leave us, because we're still here. We're still making jokes. And uh, even if you don't watch the show, you can follow along. You know, we summarize for you, so... Uh, yeah. You just... You might not get some of the... Uh, some of Matt's fresh new uh, uh, impressions. Yeah. For one thing. We gotta develop an entirely new cast of uh, impressions now. And guys who say who they are. And it has begun. Yes, so it has. But first, let's start with the pilot. And uh, as as is typical, they split it into two parts. It's a it's a double length pilot. So uh, I shall summarize the first part, and Matt will uh, will pick up the second part. So indeed, uh, I will. Let's do it. Our story begins with the Borg. Oh, good, these guys again. We watch some familiar action as the Battle of Wolf 359 commences and Captain Jean-Luc Judas Picard decimates the Starfleet forces trying to prevent their advance to Sector 001. Only this time there's a budget, so we see some actual ships fighting in the battle, and losing. Badly. One of the people we see aboard the USS Saratoga is Jennifer Sisko, wife of Ben Sisko, our new hero. You can tell he's a hero the way he's blubbering about his dead wife and screaming, We can't just leave her here! Can and will, Ben. Three years later, we catch up with Sisko and his son Jake, about to take their new assignment at the ass end of space at some formerly Cardassian outpost, now designated Deep Space Nine. Well, I mean, it's Ben's new assignment, not Jake's. Jake's just a kid. They wouldn't let a kid run a space station. Probably. I mean, somebody probably pitched that at some point, and I bet Rick Berman gave them a second meeting. Anyway, (laughs) Sisko meets noted whiskey distiller, potato farmer, and transporter tech extraordinaire Miles Edward O'Brien, his new chief engineer. Hey, that's where that guy went. Christ! He also meets the ultra-bitchy, not-ensign-roe first officer, Major Kira Norris, and the goo-faced, goo-bodied goo-man who heads up security, Odo. And the thorn in Odo's gooey side, the most likable Ferengi ever created, Quark. Now that most of the gang's all here, Sisko heads over to the visiting Enterprise to get his orders from Captain Picard. We realize that we're meeting the first character who ever doesn't care if he's disappointing JLP, and all because he murdered my wife! Wang, you big baby, suck it up and get your ass back to work, or just quit or something. Actually, that's what he threatens to do, which disappoints Picard some more, and he still doesn't care. 
For such a crybaby, this Cisco dude is still kind of a badass. Upon wrapping things up with the bald spouse corpser, Cisco <clears throat> takes a uh, meeting with Kai Opaka, the kindly old pope of the Bajoran religion. She flashes an orb at him, but that just reminds him of his dead wife. So he heads back up to the station to meet the final two cast members. Science officer Dax, a hot lady who used to be a creepy old man and several other creepy people before that. And Dr. Bashir, a youthful, wide-eyed, recent graduate of Starfleet Medical who's so naive that it's amazing he didn't leave Quark's casino wearing nothing but a barrel in his first five minutes on screen. <laughs> Cisco puts Dax to work immediately, trying to figure out what the deal is with that mystical Bajoran orb and where the other ones, now in the hands of the Cardassians, came from. And now with all the major players in place, the story can begin in earnest, so naturally my part of the summary is over. Take it away, Matt. Thanks, Al. So Odo gets his sabotage on at the Cardassian ship, allowing Dax and Sisko to beat Cheeks for the orb's location, when, oh, shit, that wormhole that refused to be in the opening credits for the first episode opens the fuck up, sending the new runabout into a warp zone straight to level 8-1, a.k.a. the Delta Quadrant. No, I mean, Matt. Gamma Quadrant. Right, thank you. I mean, Delta Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> After some brief, hey, we found a reason to keep being a series celebrating, Ben and Dax head back for home only to be pulled over by the wormhole aliens who want to know what it means to be human. Sorry, guys, Data worked on that for like ten years, and all he did was die. Might I suggest getting a cat? Anyway, they kidnap Ben and boot Dax back to the station. Sorry, Dax, looks like this is where you get off. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, pleased to meet hero of the people of Bajor, Gul Dukat. Yay. You will probably not be seeing much of him over the next uh, two years. Dude wants that last Bajoran orb so they can complete his set and send them out off for a sweet hooded Cobra Commander action figure. <laughs> Kira, Dax, and Chief O'Brien tell him expressly not to go into the wormhole, and god damn it, guys, you might as well have just hung up a big sign that says free cake for anyone who has committed an atrocity over the thing, because in he goes, where he promptly gets lost. Which is going to be a hell of a thing to explain to the pissed-off Cardassians who are now looking for their missing warship. Kara tries the old, yeah, he went into a wormhole you've never heard of and uh, never came back out, but shockingly, that doesn't fly. There may be some minor space fighting as well as everyone... <laughs> then there may be some minor space fighting as well as everyone being a serious badass, especially Kira. Guys, I love Kira. Back in the wormhole, Cisco successfully teaches the wormhole aliens that it's totally cool to be a normal human being living in 3D space that perceives time as a hunter. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing that happens. They let him go and save the Gul Dukat and allow people to start using the wormhole for transportation to the Gamma Quadrant, which is awesome and also kind of weird for strange magic aliens to do. But whatever, Deep Space Nine, you guys! Yay! Woo! I noticed uh, early on you 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 seem to be confusing the Delta Quadrant and Gamma Quadrant. I've been doing that for years. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, it's a made up thing. Yep. Second, but I'm usually made up things are usually the thing I'm best at remembering. Well, that's a good point. Well, I give you a helpful mnemonic. The Delta yes. Quadrant is for the dummies on that stupid show, and the Gamma, and the Gamma Quadrant, Quadrant is good. Is good, right? So you got that. That's where the goo people come from. There you go. Yes. Although that's a spoiler, I suppose. We gotta we gotta establish this now about spoilers because we we have seen the entire series. Yep. It is serialized. Lots of stuff changes over time, and we gotta decide whether we're gonna just warn people or try not to try not to you know. I mean, we away. blew a major a major character death in the last episode. So what's that? We blew a major character death in during uh, Nemesis. Yeah, I'm not talking about the one, like, not what we're talking about right now. Yeah. What I'm talking about is, should we try to curtail our knowledge of season five? I feel like we should try. Okay. I mean, the 
uh, with the knowledge that we are not going, we are probably not going to 100% succeed at it. Yeah, but right now we're going to say we're going to try our best because it is a serialized show, because it's one of those tune in week to week and see what happens next shows. Yeah. They don't just hit the reset button every time. A lot of stuff happens. Mm. We, we think there will be a fair amount of you who are watching for the first time, so we will try our best Yeah, to not give things away. I mean, big things... Like, Worf's coming on the show. Well, sorry. If you've read TV Guide back in 1995, you probably knew that. Yeah. That's that's a thing we're probably not going to hide from you. But, uh, mm. but you know, character deaths and things like that. And, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try. We will try our damnedest. Besides, it's it's enough to get excited about what's in front of us right here without even thinking ahead. Yeah. This is, I'm just going to go right into my good thing. This is a great pilot. Pilots have that that horrible job of having to unload truckloads of exposition and mm-hmm. introduce you to main character. We got, I think, seven or eight main characters. Yep. Plus guys like Gul Dukat who are basically main characters but really part of the extended cast. Mm. And it just sort of effortlessly, there's one or two times where it's like, okay, that could have been a little less clumsy. But for the most part. No, they do an amazing job of, first of all, getting, like, introducing us to the universe in case we've never seen a Star Trek TV show. Yeah, there's there's little things like showing us what the holodeck is in case you've never seen Next Gen. Yeah. Without spending an hour going, ooh, the holodeck. And then summing up what's basically, you know, the like the Bajoran-Cardassian politics that we're going to be right. dealing with in the next seven years. And, and introducing us to, you know, sizable cast. And even basic things like what Starfleet's all about. Mm-hmm. When when he goes into the wormhole and he's first communicating with the, the prophets slash wormhole aliens, uh, he he says, you know, our thing is to explore. Like, we're, we're meeting, you know, new uh, new life forms and, and trying to expand our knowledge and that sort of thing. Like, just basic stuff like that. Even if you haven't really watched a lot of Star Trek, this, this does a great job of getting you up to speed. But then also, you know... You get things like uh, O'Brien's goodbye to the Enterprise. Which we've been waiting for since he left. We, yeah. We, they never told us where he went. He just nope. went. If we didn't know any better, we'd be like, well, where the fuck's our favorite guy? He's just I gone now. they fired him. Yeah. Nope. They, they did way better than that. No, they, they promoted, promoted him. him. Yeah. I mean, he's still a chief. He's getting paid so much more now. Yes. He's, well, by that, I mean Cole Meany, not O'Brien. He probably is not getting paid. Right quite as much probably not but although we talked about this a little bit there is a casino there and there are shops on the promenade yeah see this is the here, here's the thing there's no way that the guy that the starfleet guys aren't getting paid now if they weren't before if we were going by the whole like replicator credits or some damn thing right yeah because that, the, the too much of deep space nine is other cultures which is one of the things that makes this show great it's not all the sterilized starfleet stuff you get weird alien stuff and you get aliens who are shady who aren't necessarily mm-hmm. honest that you can't trust We've got a shady main character. Yeah. Quark is, you know, not, awesome. not to be trusted. And yeah, we already like him. He's a fucking Ferengi and we like him. Yep. I mean, how, you know. We saw that coming. He's a Ferengi played by the principal from Buffy and we like him. Yeah, but I like the principal from Buffy. Oh, man, I fucking hated that guy. Really? You didn't well, like I mean, him? He was a... A gr- I guess he was a great bad guy. Okay. Because that's the that's thing we need to establish. Like, Because I know later on there's a character coming up that I know you just utterly loathe. I sure do. And I'm curious if you love to hate her or you just wish she wasn't on the show. We'll get the to show that. would not would not be the same without that character. Right. We'll we'll get to her soon enough. But I still fucking detest her. Well, that's fair. But I mean, I just I want to I want to make sure you you appreciate the difference between hating a character and wishing like this is a terrible character. I wish wasn't on this show. Why oh, totally. you know why are we focusing on them at all? Yeah. Like, the difference between Bever and, I don't know, Tomalock. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think of a, of a villain that you hate, and I can't really think of one because they didn't have a lot of villains on that show. I don't hate Tomahawk. Well. Sela. Yeah. Uh, Sela falls into the category of I wish they, I wish she wasn't on this. Mm, damn it. No. I think I think uh, I think we need to go with the old uh, MST adage of uh, don't compare yourself; it ain't healthy. Yeah, that's true. Which is hard to do, given that our old guy shows up for a for a sizable guest appearance. Yeah, and stands directly next to the new guy and openly invites you to compare them. Mm-hmm. But I think they do a good job of that. I mean, you had you had mentioned a bit. Uh, you had mentioned a bit that uh, it was it was a bit of a surprise that we are actively you know we were we are asked to actively not like oh yeah no we i mean you know we're introduced to our new guy who's going to be the like the lead for our new series mm-hmm. and one of the first things he does is actively hate our old favorite guy yeah and rightfully so he killed his wife oh totally like i'm sure he spent like like the last 3 what the hell did they let him go back into space for yeah and they gave him the enterprise again the That's like the that? best ship. Man, I had to live at the ship factory for three years. The hell, you guys? It's not cool, you guys. Seriously. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and that basically leads into your good thing. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much done with mine. Just, yeah. Just they got all the work of a pilot done really well, I thought. And they did a really great job with they that did. pilot. They did. It, like... I mean, I guess a lot of it's due to the fact that you get like a shit, you know, you get a lot more money for making a pilot than you do for the week to week. Uh, well, yeah, and and a lot of that they can hold on to, like the yeah. stuff that they designed for the first time, they they keep for the series, which is nice. But the design of DS Nine mm-hmm. is just gorgeous. Like, well, we get, it's not though; it's ugly, I, which no, I no, like. Like, it it's a hideous looking station. Yeah, it's it's ugly and alien and just sort of like, but that's that's what I like about but it. But it looks amazing and huge. Like, we get a yeah. shot of Ops and the Promenade, and we get, like, you get a real sense of scale from, from okay, both let's, of them. Let's really back up for anyone who hasn't seen this show, just just since we're starting from scratch here. Ops is where, is, is the equivalent of the bridge. That's where yeah, everyone Ops lives. Ops is the new bridge. Right. And, and it's huge and crowded, and it has a giant fuck-off elevator. And uh, Cisco has an office there, yep. which would be like Picard's ready room. And then he comes out like when stuff's happening and talks mm-hmm. to people on the view screen and then that sort of thing. And the promenade is, well, I, I believe it was Flonk who, prior to seeing this show, thought that it was about a space mall. Yeah. Because that, that's effectively what the promenade is. It's a bunch of shops organized in a pleasing yeah. fashion. It's it's a space mall. Right. Now, because the Cardassians have just withdrawn, most of the shops are closed, and and Cisco makes Quark stay, like partially because he's got yeah. like um, uh, bargaining leverage over him, and partially because he wants someone as an example for people to say, "Hey, that, he, yeah, he's not that, gone." No, that like we this place is still viable as a uh, right as a center like, of commerce. Yes, exactly. Which the is fact um, that it now has a hole leading to the. Uh, Gamma quadrant. Right. <laughs> There's going to be that pause there for Hang a while. Hang on a second. I there? had to look at my hands for a second. Okay, so the... <laughs> Lefty Lucy, righty tighty. forms the L, so that's the gamma quad... Okay. Right. Now, it's um the the fact that prior to the, you know, prior to all those events, it was a shithole that nobody wanted to stay in, and Cisco did his best to fight to try to keep it viable anyway. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you'll be making money hand over fist because everyone wants to go to the new part of the galaxy. Yeah. That they couldn't go to before, which is great. There's so much stuff that happens. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's, it's just, it's such a full hour and a half. 
but it doesn't feel like that either. It doesn't feel like they, they you know, I, I, I did mention this to you as we just finished our, our second rewatch. Mm. There's a bit of rush at the end. At the very end, it feels yeah. like we're missing an act mm-hmm. where they wrap everything up nice and neat with the with the aliens inside the wormhole and just go back to business. But apart from that, they cram a lot of information in there. And, um... Like, yeah, it's just, like, it just, it, it feels like they ran out of time just with so much going on. They did. But so much going on, and he still had an emotional arc. Mm-hmm. He still had, you know, like, uh, he still got to meet all his new co-workers and, yep. and hear what their deal is. We got and to, each you know, of them got to do something cool. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm going through the list of them now, and, and Bashir, I think, is the, the one who had sort of the weakest introduction. Mm-hmm. But Just, even he gets his little, like... Yeah, he does. Save some dude's life at the end. Right. Which is nice. And you get enough of a broad stroke of an idea of his character that you know what he's about. Yeah. Which is cool. But then we also get a familiar face. We also get, if you do watch Next Gen, you get O'Brien to kind of help you, you know, hold your hand and say, yep. you know... You know, it's it's cool. All these people are with me. Yeah, and he's just, like, he's the first new, like, after Cisco, he's, like, our next new Starfleet guy. And it's just like, Chief O'Brien! Yay! Here to hold our hand and welcome us into this new wonderful world. Wonderful, horrible, ugly world. Yep. What a shithole. Yeah. I love it. I And that's that's what's great about it, is that they're not on a starship. They're not, like, they, they can't just say, computer, make this thing happen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always a struggle. Yep. Because the Cardassians broken and shitty. Yeah, the Cardassians owned the place and they trashed it before they left. Mm-hmm. And so nothing's compatible with their stuff. They got those weird like uh, five prong European, oh, you know. Man, I fucking hate those things. Electrical jacks. Got to ship in like eighteen hundred fucking adapters from Earth. Yep, I got that. Our house was built pre-war, and so all our our um, outlets are two pronged. Oh my god! Yeah, which is supposed to be horrible and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so my house is full of adapters, so I can relate. My house is a bit like Deep Space Nine. It's, this it's, is why I'm like Chief O'Brien, Matt. Yes, because I bought an adapter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably built one. <laughs> but apart from that, you know, and and I somewhere presumably I have some Irish ancestry somewhere. I mean, you oh, know, I'm sure, probably. So there's there's two things. No, uh-huh. I have a horrible wife. That's another thing. <laughs> She's not home from work yet. So I have a horrible wife. She's not home. She can't hear you on her commute, Matt, in a car <laughs> 20 miles away. I hope. Uh, why don't you tell me your good thing? Uh, oh, yeah. So, man, Ben Sisko's just the shit, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's already got this amazing chemistry with most of the main cast. We're only an hour and a half into the thing. Get to watch him play off Akira, Dax, Jake, Quark, all, all great stuff. And the last half of the episode, when it's just him talking to the prophets... It's so well done. It's just this super tight close-up of his face. Yeah, and then it'll cut to him, like, basically the way the prophets communicate, because it's going to keep happening, Hmm. is that they appear as whoever else is in the episode. (laughs) It's sort of like having a dream. It's whoever's sort of lingering in his subconscious in the past day or two. So he talks to his wife, and he talks to Kirk, Kirk, uh, Picard, and his son, and all that. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's mostly, it's just, it, it's a big chunk of the episode is him just sort of explaining why humans are cool and you shouldn't kill them. Which is very Star Trek, by the way. It's it's so Star Trek, and it's really well done. Yeah, it is. Especially for something we've seen done plenty of times over the past two series. Well, and this is the argument, one of the arguments I've heard about this show is that it's not very Star Trek. Well, no, because that's the philosophy right there in the opening, uh, in the opening 
episode. I mean, it's about exploring strange new worlds, and now they sit right on the frontier of a, yeah. you know where all the strange new worlds are. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty uh, that's that's pretty Star Trek to me. And as we you know established watching Next Gen, they went to strange new worlds like five times out of one hundred and eighty. Yeah. Like, I, I I would venture a guess that Deep Space Nine explores more new territory than, than Next Gen does. Well, they go to strange new quadrants. Right. Which one? Uh, Gamma. Thank you. Very good. Hang on, because Delta Quadrant hangs down <laughs> from the ceiling. I feel like I should be throwing you a mat treat every time you <laughs> get it right. <laughs> trying to think of a way to say that without sounding condescending. I was just going for the reference, not the, mm-hmm. uh, not the head pat. But no, you're right. He's, he's... Oh, Muffin, you did a good job. Oh, good. Wait, you remembered that hard word. <laughs> Delta. Wait, shit. Damn it. <laughs> I did that on purpose. Totally didn't. Uh, um, no, you're right. He's he's totally likable, whereas the first hour and a half we see of Picard, he surrenders. Yeah. With this guy, he's... Okay, we got to talk about this. Avery Brooks' acting style, he's so strange. There, like, we were talking about this as we were watching him. Like... This guy should not work. No, on paper, if you if you sort of compare him to Shatner, he's got that same sort of abruptness to him. Yeah. But he's and good. He is. He's really good. He talks with this weird sort of musical cadence. Yep. And, know, then, which, and then when he gets angry, he goes down like this. Mr. Worf, you do not think. Yeah. <laughs> you almost gave a spoiler, didn't you? Yeah. Uh-huh. I sure did. This is going to be fucking hard. I know. This is going to be our greatest challenge yet. No, our greatest challenge yet is going to be sticking on for the shows that come after this one. Right, but that's the, that's the challenge after this one. This is our greatest challenge yet. Well, okay. Our greatest challenge so far. Yes. Now, he's got a really strange acting style, and, and it changes two or three times. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like if you knew this guy in life, he mm. would be the most eccentric person you knew, but he'd be kind of fun to know. Yeah. It's not bad acting. It's just he plays Cisco very eccentrically. I have no word for it other than it's it's just strange. It's very strange. But it's he's so likable. He is when he's talking to when the the orb, which is hourglass shaped for some reason, flashes him back to his hot bikini wife. Mm-hmm. He's they have this weird like first meeting where he re- where she's meeting him for the first time and he is remembering meeting her for the first time and just so happy to see her and he acts bizarrely yeah it's very strange and he lets out this little woohoo yeah, or but something he's like that so, he's adorable yeah he is kind of adorable you just want to fucking hug him but in a, in a in a man bro kind of way oh yeah totally I, and i'm not, i'm not saying that like oh we're not gay i'm saying that as in he's still very man yes he's still very tough guy there's there's a bit of kirk in him there's a lot of kirk in him i've i've noticed like he's a he's a drastic change from picard he is but he's also different enough from kirk yeah like he's he's sort of a combination of the two in a way because he'll negotiate Mm -hmm. but he'll end up negotiating something that hurts the other guy yeah like he's not always interested in the most peaceful solution he'll you know he'll punch you in the nose oh yeah we'll see that in a couple of weeks we will um, but he also doesn't, you know, doesn't fuck everything that moves, doesn't, you know, just, nope. uh, doesn't just give preferential treatment to his best friends. No. Nope. You know, he's like Kirk 2.0, kind of. Yeah. 
he's a he's just he's a really interesting character. And I mean, when you've got a new Trek show, like the most important thing is the captain. Of course. Like that that's that's your that's your face on the DVD or whatever. Especially coming off of Next Gen where you realize that entire show was just about the captain and nothing else. Yeah. If that's where the show goes, which thankfully it doesn't, mm-hmm. then you know, our all our hopes are hitched on the one guy. Yeah. But, and the pilot, like, I mean, ever I like everyone on this show, but the yeah. pilot really h- hits the ground running with him. And I think they sort of knew that going in. Well, and, and being able to both introduce the wormhole aliens slash prophets mm-hmm. and use that as an excuse to not only show us his backstory, but give him a bit of an emotional arc. Yeah. And to say, this guy's bitter because, you know, his wife is dead. But he's got to get over it. And he gets mm-hmm. over it. He doesn't completely TV get over it like he'll never mention it again. No, I mean, he hasn't. He certainly hasn't moved on. But, like, I no. I feel like the grieving process is sort of ended. Right. Like, he's definitely reached a turning, uh, like, a turning point. Well, he realizes that, uh, as they keep saying, but you exist here. Mm-hmm. He's trying to teach them about linear existence, about one thing follows the next. And they're like, okay, dumbass, why do you live in your past then? Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Stop being a dick to Captain Picard. He didn't do anything. Wow. Well, he kind of did a little. <laughs> I one of one of the talking, you know, the the people talking was Locutus, and that had to uh, <laughs> that had to fuck with him a little bit. That's got to sting a little bit. Yep, you are adversarial. Yeah. Well, what about you? Son of a bitch killed my show, wife. Show of hands, who's got an evil laser on their head? That's what <laughs> yeah. I thought. And on their hand. <laughs> you got two evil lasers. I don't even have one. I'm Commander Cisco. Yeah, you're going to have to work on that, too. Because he's only a commander right now. I get two years. Yeah, that's true. Enjoy them. We got, you're going you're gonna to have a lot of impressions to do, though, because this, this cast this is, is a huge. a big cast. Yeah. I mean, we already got something like ten people introduced here. Yep. If you include, like, Golducat and uh, Kaiopaka and um, who Quark. else? Quark. No, Quark's a, Quark's a main character. Quark. Quark. Rom. Cisco. Um, men. <laughs> uh, what about your bad thing? What about my bad thing? Oh, yeah. Um, I know this is going to change, and it's just a part of his character arc, but man, fucking Bashir is really unlikable in this. <laughs> well, you talk about someone you love to hate. Yeah. It's like he's weird and smug and naive and hitting on Dax, and damn it, I want to hit on Dax. Well, he's always going to be doing that. Well, yes. That's that's a thing that never stops. I remember yeah. that, like, after she ends up going a different direction, he's all bitter about the fact that he never got to hook up with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just, you know, he'll always see her as the one that got away. Because, I mean, I think everyone who meets Dax is going to feel that way. Yep. <laughs> because, I mean, look at her. Oh, yeah. No, look, I know. Look at her. Listen to her. She's yeah. great. See, and on the other hand, I, I loved Bashir being Mr. Naive. Like, this is a new type of character. It's almost sort of making fun of the smug future man. Yeah, a little bit. Which There's I like. A little bit of that there. Which uh, this actually brings me to my quote, which I'll which I'll play here. Oh, quote it up, quotey. This will be perfect. Real frontier medicine. Frontier medicine. Major. I had my choice of any job in the fleet. Did you? I didn't want some cushy job or a research grant. I wanted this. The farthest reaches of the galaxy. One of the most remote outposts available. This is where the adventure is. This is where heroes are made. Right here. 
in the wilderness. This wilderness is my home. And um, that just feels very much like, I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but it feels like those those moments we had in Next Gen where it's always like, yeah, we're going to explore the unknown and we're going to, you know, humans are great. Oh, like, yeah. Well, humans are actually kind of in the minority here. Yeah. And you're kind of a jerk. Yeah. That's another thing, by the way. This is the least amount of humans we've ever had in the main cast. Right. Is it? There's only like three main. I gotta have a look at the. Well, there's Cisco O'Brien. Cisco O'Brien and Bashir. Bashir. I guess. Yeah, that's and it. everyone else is a uh, everyone else is an alien. Huh. Well, and Jake, I guess if you count Jake. Well, I mean, if you just go by the like the main core cat. Well, I guess he's in the opening credits. Yeah, he is. Even still, though, that is yeah. That, that's a good point. I hadn't. That's thought of four. That. Like yeah. Original I, series had one, and Next Gen had like. Two aliens? Yeah, two aliens. Yeah, Worf and Troy. And then yeah. Data technically was not human. So. I guess that's true, yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. That's a good point. Mm. Um, a lot of Bajorans on the station. A lot of um, some Ferengi. Some yep. some others, which I really like. Like Quark's Bar looks very... They've tried to do the Star, Star Wars Cantina many yeah, times and they failed. They finally nailed it with this one. Yeah. And like you say, they have money for the pilot. And you can tell. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, they, they have some really great aliens. They have regulars that'll be there every week, mm -hmm. but it's still great seeing not just a bunch of guys hanging out there. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. Cause it's like, you know, it's this busy station Yeah, in the middle of like the ass end of space. Yeah. And you know, there's no fucking humans. Right. Like, and, and it, and you guys aren't that big a deal out here. And it emphasizes the point that when you're in trouble, you don't always have... Like, in this episode, they call the Enterprise, which is now three days away. Yeah. And that's going to happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Where you're fucked. You're backed into a corner, and there's nothing you can do, and you're just going to have to solve your own problems because yeah. there is no cavalry. Like, we can't help you right now. I mean, they, they go to show that the, the, the station itself has, what, six thrusters and, like, a torpedo and no shields. Yep. One of my favorite lines in the entire episode is uh, Kira tells uh, O'Brien to arm the shields, and O'Brien goes, what shields? Right. That's great. Also, how great was it to see O'Brien and not see Keiko? Oh, my God. That was awesome. Yep. I could I could not see Keiko every week. Yep. As far as I'm concerned. That was pretty great. <sighs> That's the only thing I'm going to miss about TNG. What, Keiko? No, not seeing her. Oh. After uh, she left the series, we never saw her again. That's true. Now we're going to have to start again. Oh, man. Well, let's enjoy it while we can. Miles! Uh, yeah, she's technically part of that extended cast we've been talking sure about. Sure is. So. Uh, We're going to get see. episodes about her. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet, though. Nope. Let's see. The Bajorans talk on and on about how they love their pa. Yep. But how That's their always pa nice is to hear. Most Thanks, important. guys. Yeah. It's the cornerstone of their society, the pa. Yep. So that's good to know. I guess the it's... The pa is very important to the Bajoran people. Well, it's very important to me, too. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, um, it, what is it? It's like their soul or whatever. And it's like located in your ear. Yeah. Like they reach over and grab your ear and that's how you see your paw or that's where something. Your paw is. I don't know. Okay. Here's the thing. You tend to not like stories about religion. That's true. This, this show is hugely about the Bajoran people, their religion. The yep. fact that these wormhole aliens are actually their gods. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you not hate this? I don't know what to tell you. Okay. I think that it, I think the religion on this show, the religion and the politics, which are both huge parts of this show. Right. Yeah, but are, you like, you like space politics. I know that. I do. This is, this show is why I like space politics. Oh, that's fair. 
Like, this show sort of led to my love for Battlestar Galactica, which was all about politics. Uh-huh. Well, that, um, I mean, and Ron Moore, you know, worked on both shows, and you can see true. you could see similarities between them for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of similar things. Um, I mean, it's been a long time, so, like, I can't cite specific adva- examples, but I don't have a problem with the religion on this show. I think it's really interesting stuff. Well, let's a just lot talk about it, it as, might be as because, far as the pilot and nothing else for now. Yeah. A lot of it might just be because of the fact that, like, the gods that they worship fucking live over there. Right. You can go visit them. They're right there. Go look at them. Right. Which, you know, we can't really do. Okay. Um, you know, it's a science explanation, I guess. Well, and, and this show gets to have it both ways. Yeah. And that's why I'm already referring to them as the wormhole aliens slash prophets. Yes. Because, you know, Dax always calls them that because she's the science officer, and then the Bajoran people always call them the prophets because it's their religion. Yeah. And it's a nice... It's a nice way to to deal with these kinds of issues on a Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. And this is something that they barely ever touched before. Well, yeah. And it's it's nice to have that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. It just it surprises me because it's a thing you don't typically like. And here it I is. I don't. In fact, I actively get angry when the yeah, religion show used to show up on TNG. Yeah. But here it is, you know, a huge part of the pilot. Yep. And you're totally fine with it. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. No, I'm, I mean, that's good. I'm just, I'm trying to get you to explain it. Mr. Robotham, you're becoming more human every day. <laughs> oh, no. Let's, if, not go, let's not go nuts. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's not go that far. Uh, so what else? I don't know. Let, let's go through the cast and, and uh, like, sort of first impressions. Yeah, yeah. So you got uh, First Officer Kira, Kira Norris. Mm-hmm. She's a Bajoran. She's basically Ensign Row, only not. Yeah. She's uh, she's a little over the top in this. She's a little... And she's going to be like this for, I believe, at least, at least most of the rest of the first season. She's a little... Uh, that's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Bitchy? <laughs> Bitchy? There you go. Barky. <laughs> Is that what you said? Yeah, Barky. Hello, Barky. Hello, Purdy. <laughs> I bark, don't, bark, purr, purr. I don't think that. No, I, I think... I think that's less the way she's written and more the way that uh, Nana Visitor plays her. And that is how you say it, apparently. Yeah, Nana. Nana. Um, I, I think that's more an acting choice. Yeah. And I think when she dials it down, it's better. Mm-hmm. I know there are people probably in our listening audience who are not fans of hers. And I don't know what to tell you. I like her, but... Uh, I, fucking, I fucking love Kira. Well, we realized the second half of this episode, as as Cisco's in the uh, in the wormhole dealing with the aliens... That uh, the two people in charge of DS9 were, were um, I'm going to call her Ro a lot, aren't I? Are, yeah, are, you'll get used to it. Are Kira and Dax. Yeah. And it, it just, it never occurred to me, whoa, two chicks in charge. Yeah, two and, women in charge of the, uh, in charge of this fight, of this uh, big space fight. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, as opposed to on the Enterprise where, that, you know, <laughs> not if you want to win. No. You just... I believe uh, when Bever was in charge, there was a disaster, and uh, mm-hmm. didn't Troy crash the ship twice well... and send Jordy to his death? Well, I think you're misrepresenting the facts. They're just slightly senator, but uh, yeah, well, close enough. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Kira, not entirely likable, but still an important part of the cast, and you can see yeah. someone represent. The Bajorans and all the stuff that they've been through. Yeah. Which is nice. So then you got, uh, let's see, what else? you got O'Brien, who, you don't have to sell us on Chief O'Brien. Our, our feelings on Chief O'Brien are pretty clear. Yeah, And the very... fact that he's now a main character. Yes. 
makes is us awesome. very, very happy. The it, fact that he's going to have a very shitty next seven years. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about the O'Brien must suffer trope, right? I think we have, and and you know I don't want to I don't want to get too close to specific spoilers, but yes, they they decided that dramatically, the most impact to you, the viewer, would be to make the most likable, you know, nicest guy suffer. Yeah, and they're right. I I mean, but watching it, him it's suffer, gonna, it's going to result in some, seven very rough years for this guy, but some fantastic drama. Yeah. So let's see. You got Dax. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Dax is fucking gorgeous. She is. Is that all? I mean, she's also a great character. She's funny. I love the idea of this character who's like... This is like her seventh lifetime or her, something like yeah, that. Yeah, her seventh lifetime. Like, I love that she's old friends with Cisco he while calls, having he, just met him for the first time. He calls her old man because yep. when he previously knew her, she was an old man. An old man, It's yes. It's that uh, the Trill species that was in a Next Gen episode, but very different. Yes, now I don't I don't remember exactly the differences off the top of my head, but uh, essentially they are this symbiotic slug thing that lives inside a host body, mm -hmm. and this slug has lived seven lifetimes. That's Dax. Jadzia yeah. is the girl that it lives in. That it lives in, yes. Right, and so it's it's Jadzia Dax, and she's um she's the science officer, and she's so sort of serene. Yeah. Like a couple of times she has the same sort of orb experiences that Cisco has. Only hers are. Like, everything's fine. My my mind is well-adjusted. I'm at peace. Just like, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene yes. where her and Cisco are in the uh, the wormhole. And the runabout that they're in uh, just sort of lands on something. Mm -hmm. And when they get out, Cisco perceives the, the wormhole as like this weird... It, it's basically planet hell in the middle of a uh, lightning storm. Right. And Dax sees it as a rather nice golf course. <laughs> I don't think it's a golf course. I think she sees it as somewhere pleasant. Gonna get a gonna do a have a quick game on the back nine. Right, that's the I would get not rommed, or get nogged to caddy for. Her. I don't think he could carry the stuff. <laughs> He'd have to carry it way over his head. Golf bag is significantly bigger than I am. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we got Odo, who is the chief of security. He's yep. not. He's not Starfleet. He 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 answers to the Bajorans, I believe. Yep. He's our new. Uh, he's our new Spock slash Data. Right, he's the not... the non-human guy. Right, he's a he's a shapeshifter, is all we really know now. Yep, we see him turn into let's see a bag. <laughs> uh, is that it? Is that all he turns into? I see, he turned well, into he, yeah, he cool. turns into a bag, and uh, he does like like he sort of stretches himself to catch. Uh, well, yeah, there's there's a somebody throws a thing at him. And he's, a bolo. Right, he splits his face so that it doesn't hit him. And yep. uh, these these morphing effects were fairly new in 1993 when the show yeah, premiered. Yeah, this was uh, just post-Terminator 2, right? Yeah, Terminator 2 was 91. So it was still a pretty big, expensive effect for movies yeah. at that point. And the fact that TV was doing it, I remember at the time everyone was all excited because like, they'd made it cheap enough to do on TV. And, and you know, it's it's a little dated, but it's not like you can't tell what's going on. Yeah, it, it looks fine for 1993. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, I can tell what they meant. Yeah. That, that's usually my test. If I could tell what what's supposed to be going going on, then I'm okay with that. Well, I, I get it. You can turn into shit. Right. Uh, let's see. We got Jake, who we barely see. That's uh, Cisco's we, yeah, son. Jake's barely in this, but I already like him a lot better than I thought I would. I like their relationship, and I, yep. I remember liking the character. Like, I remember being surprised that I liked a kid, you know, 
mm-hmm. on on a space show. But uh, little little surprised by the fact that he's basically dressed like Huck Finn when we open on him. Well, he's at the old fishing hole. Yeah, he's wearing a pair of uh, overalls with one of the straps down and no shoes. Yep, I, I just don't see a hanging problem out at the old fishing hole. That's how you uh, that's how you dress at those things. Presumably at Dax's golf course. <laughs> Why is there a swimming hole on this golf course? I don't know. I didn't build the golf course. Dax did. Oh. With her mind. Yeah. Um, so we got Quark, who is, as we say, the first likable Ferengi. Yep. He is the uh, Humphrey Bogart character from Casablanca, basically, where he's got a good heart, but he's into a lot of shady business. He runs a bar, and he sees a lot of weird people coming in and out. It's it's yep. very similar to that. And it's 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 a it's a standard character type. And it works so well here. You wouldn't it, think that would work in Star Trek. Like, it's a standard character type that we have never had as a main character on Star Trek. Well, or at all in Star Trek, because yeah. we don't deal with the the shady underbelly of things. Yeah, like we don't nor like we don't see a character this dirty. Right, which is nice. And you know, he's of course he's still got a heart of gold or whatever. Yeah, well, but, yeah. You know, and he does actually help them out. He helps them uh, disable the Cardassian ship. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Apart from that, we don't know. We don't know where his loyalties lie. We don't know. You know, I mean, he's he's after a profit. But uh, notice he didn't crouch at all. No, nope. la- no laser, no laser whips that I could see. Yeah, so, I assume uh, he hung it up when he got uh, after he finished up with whatever the hell he was doing on TNG. Right. Oh yeah, that guy was on TNG like ten times. Yep. He played a Ferengi over and over again, and they're finally like, you know what? Why don't you go play a good Ferengi over here? Mm-hmm. You'd be wow. the best Ferengi. All right, I think I will. Do I have to say human? Well. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. But we'll make it cool, don't worry. Yeah, it'll be fine. Don't yeah. worry, that won't be the worst thing you get up to. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, and who is that? Oh, uh, Bashir. Bashir, we, who I've already talked about. We've already talked about. Is that it? I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Um, That feels like the main cast there. I mean, we've got like some of the like supporting guys, like uh, Dukat shows up for the okay, first Okay, we definitely need to talk about Gul Dukat. Who is he? Was the administrator of the station when it was there to uh, have uh, Bajoran slaves working yeah. mines? And uh, now he's just like, "Hey, how's it going? This is my old office." First of many conversations with Cisco, where not one word of what they say is actually what they mean. Nope. Which is fantastic. He is going to be the best bad guy on any Star Trek ever. I I would go further and say uh, best bad guy in just about any TV series ever. Yeah, I th- I'd have to think about that, but that's who. And he's one of those characters that you follow, and he's got a lot of ups and downs. I'll say that yeah. without really spoiling anything. He's got a lot of you, you think maybe things are going to be okay for him, and then they're not, and then they are, and then they're yeah. not, and then you know. And it's it's pretty remarkable what that character goes through. But yeah, he's he he's got a scene with Cisco, and just not one word of what they're saying to each other is what they actually mean. It's all nope. subtext, which is fantastic. I just well, why don't the, you come to come visit whenever you like? Well, maybe I will. Well, good. I'll put out. We'll put out a plate for you. <laughs> good. I love human food. Excellent. I'll be cooking then. <laughs> oh right, he cooks. I forgot about that. Yep. That's a thing we don't really know yet. Or he might have mentioned it when he was trying to pick up fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I'm an excellent cook. <laughs> that's that's in my Bible thing, right? Hang on a sec. Where's that show Bible? Let's see here. This goes. <laughs> here we go. It says... Cooks talks like this. <laughs> I don't think the show Bible says that. Oh, it does. It's right there. Oh, all right. Commander Cisco has a strange way of talking. 
He sure does. It'll be easily replicated by some asshole on a podcast 20 years from now. We don't know what they are yet. But... <laughs> uh, so what else? That feels like basically it. I mean, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to stretch this out too long. I, I I figured we'd have more to talk about. Hit all our beats. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah. It was really only one episode. It was a long episode, but it was one episode. That's true. And and again, it's hard to not fill this with all our expectations and all of what we know is going to happen and talk about just what happened in front of us. Uh, we haven't done your bad thing yet. That's true. Well, my bad thing. I'll get this out of the way now. That is one boring ass theme song. See, I disagree. I, but I like that. I like the song. You like the song, but it's it's not like it's very low tempo. Yeah. Da, 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 da. DS9, but, which I never watched when it was originally on the air. I mm-hmm. didn't start watching it until way, way after. Mm-hmm. Because it looks fucking boring. That's the thing. That's what so many of us thought and didn't watch. Oh, it's a space station. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's a space station that doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It looks like a mall. This is Flunk yeah. that said this, right? I believe it was. I don't want to misattribute it to him. So, Flunk, let us know. Yeah. Who basically said it looks like it said at a space mall. Yeah. Whoever said and, that was right. And it does. Yep. Like. No, there's there's so much of it on the surface when you compare it to next gen. And you can't do that. No. You can't compare it. You got to just go in and watch it as its own thing because it's. it's it's so drastically different from next gen, which is why, you know, when I got into it, I was kicking myself. Yeah. You feel, you almost feel like you're cheating on them. Yeah. That's but not it's, right. Like, I started watching this. It was playing every day on... Yeah, in syndication uh, or whatever. Can, on the Canadian version of the Sci-Fi Channel. So, uh-huh. I would... Like, this is when I was working at working nights at Wendy's, so I would watch it before I went to work at, mm-hmm. like, four, four in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I was there every day to watch this show because I got so caught up in it. Yep. Well, and like, when it when, when it, it gets, gets into in, its super serialized part. Yeah, when it gets serialized, like, further down the line, my God! Well, and that stuff was sort of unheard of on TV at that point. Mm-hmm. You didn't, especially in syndication, you didn't have a show that, that you know, ended with a to-be-continued and then something new happened next week that, that directly affected the thing from before. No, like, That's the not... finale of, of Deep Space Nine is about nine episodes long. Yep. And it's amazing. Yeah. There's a there's a um there's a season ending cliffhanger where a huge change, like a massive change to the status quo happens. Like just an extraordinarily like wow, how are they going to keep going? And so you assume, okay, well the the season premiere obviously everything's going to go back to normal and it doesn't. Nope. It doesn't for like 10 episodes. This this huge change just stays there. Yep. And you're like, how is how are they making a show like this now in 1995 or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. I got on board with the show just as Worf came on. Yeah, like the, the 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 season previous to that, I watched the last few episodes of, and I really started getting into it. And then Worf showed up. I was like, okay, fuck, I'm in. I don't know if you remember Way of the Warrior specifically. But, oh God, uh, Way of the Warrior is so fucking good. But if that's you know, if you're gonna jump in, and I I believe they made it two hours, if I'm not mistaken, because yep. they they knew people were coming, they knew new viewers, yeah, were jumping on with that, and that was a really good point. No, they did it as I think they called it like a two hour movie special or something. Right, and that's that's one of those things where if you're a next gen fan and the show wasn't really working for you, I'm positive that's why they did that mm-hmm. is to to sort of almost relaunch. And to say, here's a guy you know, even though we already had O'Brien, you ingrate. Mm-hmm. Fine. Uh, here's a guy that you know from the opening credits of TNG. Right. He's been in movies. Right. A movie. 
No, he was in he was in four. Yeah, right? but uh, DS Nine had already happened by the time the second one came out. Oh well, that's, that's like a he was fair already point. on DS Nine by that point. That's but fair. my point is, and I kind of got away from it. Like the opening credits, it's basically just a slow pan around this ugly ass space station. Yeah, and but my point is, it's it's so low tempo, it doesn't really get you thinking. Now let's watch some adventure. No, it gets you thinking. Oh, now let's go to sleep. Yeah. Not, not really. And that's all. And that's the only time I'm even going to mention it. I, It was a struggle to find a bad thing. Yeah. The only other thing might be that the ending was a little rushed. Yeah. But that's that's really all I could think of. Da-da-da-da. Rotating around the station. There wasn't Da-da-da-da. even... Uh, you had to point this out to me. There wasn't even a wormhole in the opening no. credits because they didn't want to spoil that part of the story. Yeah, which is <laughs> fucking cool. Which was very cool. I, like I mean, that. like, the only action the opening credits have is the fucking wormhole exploding open. Like, at least... At least the at least the Enterprise in the last two series was fucking booking it around the universe. Yeah. You know, like, all we get is a runabout out for a leisurely stroll. Yeah. Runabouts, by the way, I don't know if we've mentioned this, are shuttles that can go warp. Yeah. Which is a nice new invention of this show. They sort of realized, oh, shit, we need, uh, we don't have a ship. Yeah. We're going to need a ship. Well, that's also when I came on board to uh, to DS9 is when, when there was a ship. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that's just, that's pretty much all I had. You got anything yeah, else? Yeah, let me just quickly go over my notes here. I think we hit everything. Yeah, that's, it seems basically like uh, like all the main points. Yeah. All so right. So that is it. This is our favorite show, and we are so excited to be doing it. And uh, I, I seriously wanted to get the show recorded. We we have other reasons to get the show recorded early. We have, we, you know, Matt has some pretty big life stuff coming we up. We're fucking married next week. Right. So uh, congrats on that. Yeah. But um, I, I just wanted to get through this quickly so I could start watching the other ones. Yeah. I'm like, as soon as the pilot was over, like, okay, next. Shit, can't do that yet. Matt, are you home yet? Yeah, come on, damn it. I get to work. <laughs> Forget work. This isn't going to feel like work for the next two years. No. This is going to be nice. You'll watch your favorite show and then talk about it. Yep. So that'll be good. All right, next week apparently is the first appearance. I, I, I looked this up as we were watching. First appearance of one of our favorite, if not our our combined favorite um, supporting character. Yep. Definitely way the hell up there. Oh, fuck yeah. So look forward to that. Uh, no guests for the next few weeks. And uh, as we say, Matt's getting married, but that should not affect the uh, release schedule. We should, we're going to be recording these uh, a little out of sequence just to uh, to make sure you could you continue to get shows because that's just how much we love Deep Space Nine. Yep. And I suppose use the listeners as well. So, right. that is all. Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.